Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another Strange Cases video. In these videos, I take a bunch of kind of shorter cases that I found while researching other cases that aren't really long enough to be their own video and compile them all into one video. We've got about uh, eight or nine of them again today, pretty crazy ones. One of them, I'm, I'm not even sure if I can put it on YouTube, but we're, we're gonna try. So let's get into it. Before we move on, I'd like to give a shout out to PDS Debt for sponsoring this video. I know that a lot of you out there are like me, wishing that there was some better way to pay off debt. Maybe you're struggling with credit card debt, personal loans, debt collection agencies, or even medical bills. It's no secret that inflation just keeps going up and gas prices don't really seem to be getting any better either. Well, a little bit, but not much. So maybe now's a good time to think about how to better pay off those debts. If you're making payments on your debt every month and the balances still aren't really going down, then this is for you. PDS Debt is giving viewers of this channel a free debt savings analysis just for completing the 30-second online debt assessment at pdsdebt.com slash diretrip. You'll get a full breakdown on how to save on interest each month and the quickest way to take care of your debt. PDS Debt rolls all of your payments into one low 0% interest monthly payment. Everyone with over $10,000 or more in debt qualifies, and the cool thing is there's no minimum credit score required. Fair and even bad credit is also accepted. You could end up saving thousands in interest and fees, and not to mention pay off your debt in a fraction of the time. Like I said, PDS Debt is offering a free debt analysis to my listeners just for completing the quick and easy debt assessment at www.pdsdebt.com slash diretrip. That's pdsdebt.com slash diretrip. And now, back to the content. Alright, so first we've got woman stopped at airport while wearing a bottom plug containing boyfriend's ashes. Alright, so we're just going to start off with the one that I wasn't even sure if I could say on YouTube. Let's get it out of the way. So a woman was stopped going through an airport carrying her deceased boyfriend in his favorite place. Her words, not mine. The woman, 23-year-old law student Sarah Button, went viral on TikTok for wearing this metal booty cork with forever engraved on the side, successfully through an airport in Australia. She said that she wore it as a way of traveling with her late boyfriend, keeping him in his favorite place and showing him the world. She was originally, in the past, given the toy as sort of a joke gift by her boyfriend when they were teenagers. Or, as she puts it, the intention was initially a joke because he'd spent so much time in there and it was his favorite place. She told news outlets online, We were initially concerned about getting it through in my carry-on, so I just left it within in hopes to avoid explanations. It was a bit nerve-wracking, but I had previously gone through security with a normal plug-in without incident, so I had a sense of calm and faith that we'd both make it through. I would pack him in the checked luggage if I were to take the urn overseas with me. I didn't make the sensor beep or anything, and my friend I was with was aware as well. In a video she uploaded to TikTok on September 9th, she wrote, Seeing if the plug I wear containing his ashes will get through airport security. He's still here. Boldly, she captioned the video with, It's romantic. The video went on to be seen by more than 5 million people in the end. Sarah ran out of luck when she visited the Abu Dhabi airport out in the United Arab Emirates back in 2019 when she ended up getting banned from the country. About that incident, she said, 
I explained what it was, but there was a lady worker in earshot of that conversation, which led to some back and forth between us and the male officials did not like the vulgarity I was using to explain. They took me and my friend aside without much explanation. She had her passport and her cell phone taken away, so she was forced to call her dad and have him call up the Australian embassy for help. Then, about an hour later, an official came back and had her sign a long document in a foreign language, stating that if they went outside the airport doors, they would be thrown into jail. It was a long day, she said. Moral of the story is I was very ignorant of what I had in my bag and the words I used slash their values, and I didn't realize explaining a plug would, like, violate the person that asked about it. Sarah has since traveled to a wide variety of places that she and her late boyfriend could have only dreamed of going to. Like the Great Barrier Reef, for example. She and her, uh, boyfriend are also all set to go see the British rock band Bring Me the Horizon this month, actually. Her followers on TikTok were seemingly, well, puzzled by all of this. One commenter stated, I have some adjustments to make on my will. Another said, Whoever's ashes is being remembered in a most magnificent way by you. With a third saying, and they say romance is dead. Next up, we have woman in US accused of burning down man's house after he invited her over for sex and fell asleep. So, as I'm sure you can gauge from the title, a woman allegedly set fire to her lover's house after he invited her over for a late night booty call only to leave her standing at the door with no response. He had fallen asleep before she even got there. This is when she started texting him. These texts read things such as, You wasted my money to come out here. You smoked. I see you want to die. I swear to God, I hope you die. The woman, 29-year-old Tyja Russell, ended up getting slapped with both arson and attempted murder charges after the resulting fire ended up destroying his entire home out in New Jersey. Police said that, before setting the fire, she sent a long series of angry texts to the sleeping man inside the house, which, which we knew. Then she went out of her way to go buy some lighter fluid and matches at a nearby gas station in the early hours of the morning. Seeing how the flames spread, the police conducted that she stood outside the front door to the home and lit the fire there. The victim, whose name was graciously withheld by the police, woke up at about 4.30 in the morning only to find a wall of flames blocking the exit to his home, which was quickly filling with smoke and choking him. To escape, he knocked a window out of its frame and shambled out of the open hole. The man, who was completely covered in ashes and soot by this point from head to toe, ran wearing nothing but a t-shirt down to the nearest police station and told them all what had happened. Cops, understandably baffled at what was going on, took the man to the hospital to treat him for his smoke inhalation issues along for some second-degree burns he had suffered. While this was going on, local firefighters had arrived at the home and managed to put the fire out, even saving the man's dog while they were doing so. It has been said that both the man and the dog are recovering well, but the home and all of the contents inside were more or less completely destroyed. The victim then told the police that he had been having on and off relationships with her, who he called his side chick, up until this event. Taija was charged with aggravated assault, endangering or creating substantial risk of death, criminal mischief, attempted murder, and aggravated arson after her traumatic tantrum. The outcome could have been much worse, said the police. Now we've got Seattle doctor accused of sexting during surgery. So a doctor out in Seattle was suspended indefinitely after he was caught sending naughty text messages while performing surgeries, sending a surprising 45 texts in one surgery alone. This particular doctor had gone to UC San Diego and had had his license to practice medicine ever since back in 1995. 
The doctor, named Arthur Zilberstein, was suspended for his lack of focus and for putting patients at risk while he was working as an anesthesiologist during surgeries. These surgeries included cesarean section deliveries, labor epidurals, appendectomies, and more, according to the state medical board's list of charges. One of the messages he sent even said, in his words, I'm hella busy with C-sections. Arthur, who was working at the Swedish Medical Center, wasn't only sending dirty text messages, but he was also sending partially nude photos of himself, in which his hospital scrubs and his badge were exposed, along with his ding-dong. At one point, he expressed to his text partner that he was nearly caught while taking one of these. He said, Oh, and my partner walked in as I was pulling up my scrubs. I'm pretty sure he caught me. This all started because the health department had gotten a few complaints about the doctor. One was from a patient, and one was from another healthcare professional, so maybe he had gotten caught after all. The doctor had been sending most of these messages to a patient, actually. A patient that he invited to come back to the hospital to get it on with him. He even told her she could park in the doctor's parking lot to avoid paying for parking. Just what a gentleman, right? The two had arranged to meet up in either the doctor's lounge or the hospital call room to do it. It's not clear if they actually did, though. To make things even worse, Arthur had pulled up the woman's medical records purely to view her pictures for his own amusement. He also kept prescribing her drugs without keeping any medical records. The records didn't state that Arthur did actually cause harm to any of his patients, however, although the charges indicate that he, quote, put patients at unreasonable risk of harm. Which seems fair, given all that happened. He was suspended from medicine indefinitely. His LinkedIn page is still up, but it doesn't seem to have been updated in quite a long time and likely doesn't really reflect the current circumstances. Alright, Florida, here we go. You, you knew there would be a Florida or two. So we've got a Florida woman arrested on suspicion of drug possession said the cocaine must have been blown into her handbag by the wind, police say. So here we have the story of 26-year-old Kenesha Posey, one of two women who was caught in a car that was swerving all over the road, and when the police pulled them over, they were found to have drugs. But the story was a little more interesting than just that. So yes, her car had been noticeably swerving all over the road when the officers decided to pull her over and see what was going on. Noticing that she definitely appeared to be on some sort of substance and smelling that her car absolutely reeked of weed, they decided to look things over. After a quick look into her purse, they found both the weed and a bunch of white powder in a baggie. I don't know anything about any cocaine, she told the officers. It's a windy day. It must have flown through the window and into my purse. Kenesha went on to admit that, yes, the marijuana was indeed hers, but she continued to deny knowing anything about the cocaine. She was detained in the county jail on charges of possession of both of the drugs. She posted bail and was released. Sticking around in Florida for a little while longer, we have... Handgun found inside raw chicken in luggage at airport. So let's go out to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. This is where TSA officers found a handgun hidden in the most unusual of places. Hidden inside a raw chicken that was placed into a passenger's luggage. The TSA posted pictures of both the gun and the chicken on their official Instagram account, noting that the weapon was recovered from the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. They didn't make mention of who the passenger was or whether they were ever arrested or charged with a crime. It turns out that fresh meat, seafood, and other similar food items are actually permitted on both carry-on and check bags when boarding a plane, provided they're packed in ice. Unloaded guns are also allowed to be carried in checked bags, but they have to be declared when checking the bag and they must be placed into a locked, hard container. I mean, you might have known that, but it was news to me. 
This one is, robbery suspect and clerk fatally shoot each other in Chicago grocery store. So in an attempted robbery out in Chicago, both the clerk and the robber actually ended up shooting each other, fatally. I pretty much just reiterated what the headline said exactly, but yeah. The shootings occurred in the evening inside the El Barca supermarket in Chicago's South Shore neighborhood. This is when the robber, 24-year-old Nicholas Williams, and the clerk, 63-year-old Ali Hassan, killed each other. Nicholas Williams hopped into the store at around 6.20 p.m. This is when he pulled out a handgun and attempted to rob the store. To his surprise, though, Ali Hassan also pulled his own gun from his waistband and shot him in the chest. Nicholas then returned fire and shot him in the chest and in the back. Nicholas then ran from the store, but he didn't make it very far. He collapsed on the ground about one block away from the store and passed away right there on the spot. Ali Hassan, who was a Palestinian immigrant, was taken by ambulance to the University of Chicago Medical Center, but he was pronounced dead shortly after. He left behind five children. Luckily, it seems that the two other people who were in the store at the time were uninjured. Then we have... Former Playboy model accepts plea deal in beating death of doctor whose body was found in a car trunk near Lake Mead. So now we have the story of the trial of a former Playboy model who was found guilty in the murder of a doctor who was found beaten to death in the trunk of a car out in California. The 29-year-old former model, Kelsey Turner, is taking a plea deal in which she'll plead guilty to second-degree murder. Well, to be specific, rather than actually pleading guilty, Turner simply acknowledged that there was enough evidence for a conviction. In exchange for that, she'll be eligible for parole in about 10 years. The sentencing itself, though, could range anywhere from 10 years to 25 years. The decision is scheduled to be held on January 10th. The prosecutors say that Kelsey and her boyfriend, along with their then-roommate, had been involved in the murder of a 71-year-old psychiatrist, Thomas Kirk Burchard. Kelsey's roommate has even testified that Kelsey had been romantically involved with the doctor and had gotten upset by some photos and messages she found on his phone. So, her boyfriend, who was apparently aware of this, hit the doctor with a bat. Instead of getting help for the guy, Kelsey ordered her boyfriend to hit him again. Both the body and the bat were found in Kelsey's abandoned car near Lake Mead. The authorities simply went back to Kelsey's home and found her there. The victim's former lover told news outlets that Kelsey had confided in the doctor that she was struggling, on the verge of becoming homeless. This was when he decided he would help her out, first by finding an apartment for her. Kelsey's boyfriend was sentenced to between 18 and 45 years in prison. The roommate pled guilty to a reduced accessory charge on the condition that she would testify against the other two. Now we've got California mother arrested after toddler dies from fentanyl overdose. On the 4th of May this year, the police got a call that, out in a San Luis Obispo home, a child had been found not breathing, turning blue, and overall unresponsive. The fire department made their way out there and started doing all they could to revive the child. Shortly after, they took him to the hospital. Sadly though, he never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead later that night. The San Luis Obispo police, shortly after, launched an investigation into the death and, due to the circumstances, performed a toxicology report on the victim as well. The results came back in the middle of June and indicated that the child had a very high level of fentanyl in his system. The police then learned that the child's mom, a 30-year-old woman named Jennifer May Neiman, was present when he passed away. After investigating for a few months, they determined that her actions, quote, allowed access to fentanyl which directly led to the child's death. They didn't outright specify exactly how the child came to ingest the drugs, however. On November 8th, the police were able to track the mother down in San Diego and take her into custody. 
She was then taken back to San Luis Obispo and booked into the county jail under a number of charges, which were child endangerment with great bodily injury, enhancement for causing great bodily injury during commission of a felony, possession of one controlled substance, which was meth, and possession of another controlled substance, which was the fentanyl. Jennifer Neiman's bail was set for the oddly specific number of $505,000. This is far from the only case of a child dying from a fentanyl overdose recently. The CDC classifies fentanyl as being 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. It's a synthetic opioid that's usually used for treating severe pain, mostly in cancer patients. However, these days people are using it to mix it with other illegal drugs, like cocaine, usually without the user's knowledge in order to increase their effects. It has led to a huge, unprecedented amount of overdose deaths in the last several years, which have continued to keep going up. In 2020 alone, there were 18 times more deaths from drugs like fentanyl than in 2013. Needless to say, this is becoming a massive problem. Nebraska man sentenced to death for killing Tinder Day loses appeal after cutting throat at his own trial. Now, this is a doozy of a trial, and it's one I think that a lot of you out there might remember. I actually remember hearing about this on uh, some other YouTube channel, probably one of the big name ones, right about the time when it happened. It's interesting because the couple who was eventually arrested on charges of this murder put a post out on Facebook, a long, rambling video about how not guilty they were. Of course, this only made them look extremely guilty, but it was all over the place at the time. Just recently, the man and the couple was sentenced to death for his part in the murder. He lost his initial appeal, in which he argued that he should be granted a mistrial because he slit his own throat in the middle of the courtroom. The Nebraska Supreme Court had just rejected the pleas of 56-year-old Aubrey Trail, who was convicted on charges of first-degree murder in the death of 24-year-old Sidney Loof back in 2017. He was then sentenced to death. His girlfriend at the time, Bailey Boswell, was also convicted on being an active participant in the victim's death and was also sentenced to life in prison. The prosecutor stated that both Aubrey and Bailey had planned out Sidney's abduction and murder when they started talking to her over Tinder. Two days after the date, Sydney's mother reported her missing. Her body was found a few weeks later, stuffed into numerous garbage bags that were dumped out in a field about 90 miles southwest of Lincoln. Aubrey told the investigators later on that he had strangled Sydney with an extension cord. He and his girlfriend then broke the body down into pieces with tools they bought at a hardware store the day before they killed her. Suspiciously enough, just a few days after Sydney disappeared, both Aubrey and Bailey posted that video on Facebook in which they told the public how innocent they were in the case, saying that they merely did drugs with Sydney before dropping her off at a friend's house. The video was deleted just a few hours after it was posted to her missing persons page on Facebook. Yes, they actually posted that video to a missing persons page. It, it's baffling to me. Aubrey tried to appeal the case over and over again, making arguments that the trial court had violated his constitutional rights by excluding potential jurors who indicated that they wouldn't be able to perform their duties because they opposed the death penalty. He also argued that he deserved to be granted a mistrial, only to later request for a new trial entirely after he blew up during the third day of his original trial, screaming, Bailey is innocent and I curse you all, before pulling out a razor blade that he had somehow obtained in jail and snuck into the courtroom. Then he slashed himself across the throat right in front of everyone. He survived only to end up back in jail. However, the court refused to grant him a new trial, saying that his previous shenanigans were a calculated gesture. 
The Supreme Court said that granting mistrials to people who purposely misrupted their trials like this would set kind of a bad precedent going forward. It would make it so that people could simply just cause a massive scene whenever it appeared they were losing their trial in order to get a new one. They were able to find a few other cases in which this didn't quite fly. You know, other cases where people had massively disrupted their own trial and tried to get a new one. As with these other defendants, we will not permit Trail to benefit from his own bad behavior during the trial said the Justice, John Frudenberg, in a unanimous court ruling. Now we've got California megachurch leader charged with murder and death of 11-year-old girl. Oh boy, so just recently out in Southern California, a woman and her parents were arrested on allegations of abusing a child when it came to the death of an 11-year-old girl earlier this year. The woman was notable. She was a high-ranking member of a big megachurch out in San Diego. To make it worse, the girl named Arabella had two sisters, who were six and seven, who were living with her at the time. They were recently placed with a foster family, according to the sheriff's department. The woman being charged here, a woman named Leticia, was not the biological mother of Arabella either. Arabella's biological mother said that Leticia and her husband became foster parents to the three girls back in 2017, only to later go on and adopt all of them. After this adoption, she went on to torture the three for the next five and a half years, say the prosecutors. This all started in the early morning hours of August 30th, when the sheriff's deputies received a call from a child who was in distress at a local Spring Valley area home out in San Diego County. The child who called, Arabella herself, was taken to a hospital where she later passed away. The detectives began an investigation. Right away, they assumed that some kind of abuse must have taken place. They went to contact the adoptive father, Brian McCormick, who abruptly ended his own life right there in their presence. Needless to say, suspicions were raised even higher. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department reported that the 49-year-old Letitia McCormick and both of her parents, the 75-year-old Stanley Tom and 70-year-old Adela Tom, were arrested in August for the death of 11-year-old Arabella McCormick. Both Letitia and Stanley were charged with one count of murder, three counts of torture each, and willful cruelty to a child. Adela was booked on three counts of torture herself as well, as her own count of willful cruelty to a child. All three pled not guilty at a recent hearing. Letitia McCormick, the high-profile megachurch member at Rock Church in San Diego, had been suspended at her church before for unspecified reasons, but that suspension was later revoked. She had returned to the church and worked in what they called a limited scope in a volunteer role. After this, though, the church ended their relationship with her for good. The church said in a statement, We have received notice that Letitia and her parents have been arrested as a result of the Sheriff's Department's investigation. We continue to grieve for Arabella and her sisters. We are so sorry that their family and friends are experiencing this unimaginable loss and pain. And here we have the dumbest one on this list. A blind man was arrested after an officer thought he had a gun. It was his cane. So, first off, you, you've gotta love that title. Kinda sums it up. So back to Florida again, we have the case of a man who was arrested after police thought his cane was a gun on Halloween. After a big scandal, those two cops are now on temporary administrative leave from their jobs out in Columbia County. In body cam footage taken during the event, you can see where an officer approached a man, James Hodges, as he tells the officer that it's purely a navigational aid. James then asked the officer, Deputy Jamie Goad, why exactly she had stopped him. She told him that she thought it was a gun, and she now wants to make sure he's carrying it properly. 
So James took the cane, folded up at the time, out of his pocket in order to show her that it indeed was not a firearm. Officer Goad then told him he was being a dick. James then attempted to speak to another officer instead, Sergeant Randy Harrison, right then and there. Officer Harrison told him, her suspicion was that you were armed and she was asking for your ID. So James responded, well now she's verified that I'm not armed, so there's no problem. After an argument that ensued between the three, James ended up in handcuffs and being arrested. During the arrest, Harrison asked him if he was actually legally blind, to which he said, yes. James then asked for the officers' names and their badge numbers. Harrison didn't like that and said, you know what, put him in jail for resisting. Officially, James was arrested for resisting arrest without violence. Later on, the body cam footage was given to James himself and then was subsequently circulated among many news outlets and all over social media. By November 3rd, the incident was brought to the attention of the sheriff's office. James then filed a complaint against the officers, saying that they arrested him without sufficient probable cause. His report stated, The arrest was made after Sergeant Harrison gave an unlawful order to make an arrest after probable cause did not exist. On November 7th, the sheriff's office determined that the officers did indeed commit a number of policy violations that day. Officer Harrison was demoted immediately and suspended without pay for a week. Officer Goad was suspended without pay for two days as well. Now they're both going to have to undergo a rigorous course on civil rights training. The sheriff's office commented on the event, saying, I do not feel these deputies' actions were guided with ill intent, but rather frustration and failure to rely on their training. Nevertheless, this conduct is unacceptable. We will work hard and train to ensure these incidents do not reoccur. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.